Welcome to the revolution, the clean eating revolution. It's time now for the Clean Food Network Show. Here's Lisa Davis. When I go shopping, I always look for the non-GMO project verified label on the foods that I buy. Now, I mostly buy foods that aren't in packages, but sometimes we need to get a mix of both fresh foods and things that are in packages, of course. But I want to be sure that my foods are non-GMO. And today we're going to talk about why with, with the fantastic Megan Westgate. She's the executive director of the non-GMO project. Megan, so glad to have you on Clean Food Network. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's so nice to have you on, Megan. There are so many misconceptions out there. First of all, for people who aren't even familiar and they're totally new to this, what is a GMO? So a GMO is a, a plant or animal that's been um, had DNA rearranged or introduced into it in ways that can't happen in nature or through traditional breeding. Um, often that involves the insertion of bacteria or virus genes into an organism. Um, and in all cases, DNA is reorganized in ways that have unpredictable consequences for the people and animals eating them. Now, what do we know so far in terms of any harmful effects of GMOs? So one of the major problems with GMOs is that there is not sufficient review or study done. For example, in the United States, the FDA does not do any of its own research prior to approving GMOs. It approves them based on reports from the biotech companies who create them. The source data isn't shared, there isn't any independent review, and there's no post-market monitoring. So that makes it really difficult to know what the impacts of these foods are. Um, there is, however, peer-reviewed re research showing that there are toxic and allergenic effects on um, lab animals and farm animals that are fed GMOs, and presumably those could carry over to humans as well, though there haven't been uh, long-term human trials um, that are monitored. So really, at the bottom line is that there's a lot that we don't know, and there are a lot of risks inherent in this technology, and that um, it's being introduced to our food supply without government review or thorough oversight, which is why so many people are concerned about it. And actually, in 64 other countries around the world, GMOs are labeled, and in many countries, they're banned or severely restricted. In the United States, um, that, that's, we're really an anomaly. If you look at the rest of the world, almost half of the GMOs grown worldwide are grown in the U.S., and there's no labeling and there's no government study of these. So um, it's really a big experiment and, and the United States is very much at the epicenter of it. You know, I recently interviewed an oncologist on another show that I do, and he's a mainstream oncologist. And he actually said to me, I tell my patients not to eat GMOs because they use uh, glycophosphate and that is a known carcinogen. So I thought that was really interesting and that when you're looking at the GMO, because people think, well, they're just taking one gene and from one plant and one from another, and they're mixing it together, but they're also mixing Roundup in there, correct? And they're, they're mixing in these pesticides that are full of these horrendous chemicals. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. It's a really important point that more than 80% of all the GMOs grown worldwide are, um, are engineered to do just one thing, and that is to be sprayed with a chemical herbicide. So, a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of 
PR rhetoric out there from the biotech industry that GMOs are somehow about um, solving the climate crisis or addressing world hunger, and really that's not what they're about. GMOs were created by chemical companies as a way to sell more chemicals. They're designed to be used with chemical pesticides, and glyphosate is the primary one that they've been engineered to be sprayed with. As a result of these herbicide-resistant GMOs, the use of glyphosate has increased 15-fold, by some estimates even more than that. And then just last year, the World Health Organization classified glyphosate as a probable carcinogen. So, a probable. Yeah. So, and so all of these GMO foods, even if you set aside concerns about what's happening um, at the molecular level to the DNA, like you said, there's this other issue that they're all sprayed with heavy doses of, of herbicides. And that's what really concerns me. And I think what concerns us all is the idea that we don't know. And that's the thing, like, you might be like, hey, I'm fine with GMOs, or I'm not fine with GMOs. But either way, I want to know if they're in their food. And that's the great work you do at the non-GMO project. You have that seal that I mentioned in the beginning that I look for. And I mean, what was the number of that uh, proposal in California that didn't pass, which was so shocking? Because all they wanted to say is let us know either way, yes or no, GMOs, right? Right. So that was Prop 37, and that was um, one of the first... Over the past few years, there's been um, a complete upsurgence of mandatory labeling efforts at the state level because so many people feel this way that whether you're okay with them or not, it's just a basic thing. You know, we have labels indicating um, country of origin, whether something is produced from concentrate, all kinds of basic information, you know, if, if things have been previously frozen, just basic facts that are required to be on our food. And genetic engineering is far more significant, arguably, than some of the things that are labeled. So we should have that information, too. The challenge is that biotech companies really don't want people to know if things are GMO because there are no benefits to the consumer of genetic engineering. It really is about selling chemicals. So there's a lot of risk to humans and the environment and no benefits. So when things are labeled, people tend to choose something that's not GMO. And so an an incredible amount of money has been invested by the biotech companies in blocking these efforts to have mandatory labeling at the state level. So there, there have been a few states where Um, There have been ballot initiatives, so it goes to a public vote. Um, And in every case, because of the tremendous outspending of biotech companies, the measures have not passed by very narrow margins in spite of the crazy outspending. Um, But there have also been attempts to to require labeling through um, legislative approaches. And in fact, that passed, that's passed in several states, including Vermont, which is scheduled to go into effect. It'll be the first state with mandatory labeling. It's scheduled to go into effect this July. So that's very oh, exciting. Oh, that's fantastic. That, yeah, but there's been a ton of effort now to um, take away states' rights to do this. Uh, you may have heard of something called the DARK Act, which has been active oh, yes. in Congress this year to block these state efforts. Um, but the people have really been making their voice heard loud and clear that we need this information. It's a basic right to know what's in the food we're eating and feeding to our children. Oh, it's so true. Now, I understand that if you buy organic foods, 
then you're okay. Even like an organic cookie or something. If it doesn't have to have the label, is that is that correct information? So organic is covers a lot of really important things. GMO avoidance is part of the organic program. The organic program doesn't require testing for GMOs, which is what the non-GMO project does, but it does cover a lot of things other, organic covers a lot of things other than just GMO avoidance. Um, For example, use of chemical pesticides and fertilizers. So my personal gold standard is to look for things that have both the USDA organic seal and the non-GMO project butterfly, and then you know that it's met all of the highest standards and been tested for GMOs. Oh, that is so nice. The time goes by way too fast. Megan, I have so many more questions. So I'm definitely going to want to have you back because again, I'm so in awe of the work that the Non-GMO Project is doing for all of us. Tell us all the ways we can learn more about you and the Non-GMO Project. Thank you. Well, we have a very active Facebook page. If you search for Non-GMO Project, we post there usually at least a couple times a day. So that's a great place if you want to know, um, stay on top of the news and just learn more. And also check out livingnongmo.org, which is our consumer-facing website. We have a lot of great blog content there to help educate people. Well, thank you so much. You've cleared up so much confusion for us, and I really appreciate it, Megan. And I'm so glad you're listening to Clean Food Network. You can check out archives of the show at cleanfoodnetwork.com. Stay well. (laughs) 